I'm sure that the majority of you have started some kind of Bible reading plan for the year. So this message is meant to be an encouragement. Because if you're like me, you get a couple of weeks into your Bible reading plan and all of a sudden you find yourself frustrated. You missed a day. You're trying to play catch up. You're starting to think, did I pick the right Bible plan to read through through this year? And you get frustrated and then you stop. This message is something that you should have all heard before if you've been in church. So let's look at this as just a refresher. Just some encouragement and a refresher. Now, I'm reading through the McShane Bible reading program. If you're a new Christian, I don't recommend that one because it jumps back and forth all over the place. There are a various number of reading plans. You've got to pick the right one for you. But what I don't want you to do is to pick a reading plan and just simply read it, just to read through the Bible. Now, as a Christian, should you read through the Bible? Yes, I think you should. Is there a proper amount of times? No, I think you should read it as much as you can. But the purpose of reading through the Bible is not to read through the Bible. The purpose of reading through the Bible is to study God's Word. So the title today is Students of the Word. And that's what I want you all to get out of this message today, is that each and every one of you are called to be a student of the Word, not just a reader of the Word, not just someone who hears the sermons, not someone who just has a daily Bible reading plan, but an actual student of God's Word. This is God's very breath to us. This Scripture It is God-breathed, inspired. It came directly from Him. He had holy men of old to write it down. We had a devotion this week at home in a book called Theology. It's a play on the word theology. And it gave the best word picture I could think of. So I'm going to borrow it from, from that book. God is the author. And He used a pen, which is the men, to write His Scriptures. Now, each of these men had their own style, their own flair, their own way of saying things, but there was not different authors amongst the men. There was one author, and that is God. So he used these men as pens upon his manuscript. Some men might have been a fine ink pen, a fountain pen, whatever you call it. Some just a ballpoint pen, some a red pen, some a blue pen. But all those different pens were held by one hand, the hand of God, the author of this scripture. This is His word to you. This is His textbook of life for you. It's not just a book to be flipped through. It's not a picture book. We have some picture Bibles at home that I start my children with. That's a great way to do it. But this is not just a picture book to skim through. This is not just a reference book to go find certain little scriptures that you need from time to time. This is not a book that you pick and choose what means the most to you and what you don't really want to understand or you don't like or you can't understand. This is your textbook for life. It is your guide for life. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Scripture teaches us obedience. Scripture teaches us submission. 
Scripture teaches us to witness. Scripture teaches us to love. Scripture teaches us to ask forgiveness. Scripture teaches us to forgive. Scripture teaches us all we need to know on this earth to follow Christ. Now, is there more about God we're going to know one day? Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to that day in heaven when we know all there is to know and we continue to learn and we see all of His beauty. But what He wants you to know now here on this earth, every bit of it is written in His Scripture. So if God Himself breathed out His words to you for you to know, for you to live, for you to succeed in life, to draw close to Him, to walk with Him, then we should know what we're talking about when we read this Word. Therefore, we must be students of the Word. Now, how many of you have taken a class in college or high school or even kindergarten and you get overwhelmed? Like, oh man, seven times three? I just don't remember it. I'm just not going to worry about it now. Or... Does your teacher or your mom say, no, we have to go back and learn. We've got to study. What is seven times one? What is seven times two? And you have to think, is it easy? No, it's not. Learning is not easy. Now, some people it comes natural to to learn. Let me caveat that. Not this guy. I had to study hard for everything. It's hard. Reading God's Word is hard sometimes. Reading God's Word is challenging sometimes. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense to us. So when it doesn't make sense, what's our response? I have no clue. I'm not going back to that book. Or is it to dig deep? To delve into? To get a concordance, some word studies, go to your pastor, go to your parents, go to someone who may have studied it before and put in the hard work. So let me ask this question. Children, I want you all to listen because I'm going to ask you all a specific question in a minute. We all should be studying our Bibles. God gave us this. He gave you and I this Bible to study. Now I would think that everyone here, I want you to raise your hand. We're going to be interactive today. If you think your preachers should be studying this Word, raise your hand. Every hand should be going up right now. Because you don't want to listen to a preacher who is not studying the Word. Paul tells um, Titus in Titus 1.9 to hold fast to the truth. Well, Titus needs to know what the truth is. It's the truth that Paul has taught him that he has learned through the Word. And he is to hold fast, to cling tightly to, to not let go, to not waver, to not add to, to not take away, not to put his own interpretation in, but to hold fast. So what is Titus and Timothy in our passage here in 2 Timothy chapter 3? Both of these men that Paul writes to... They need to be doing something. It's called hermeneutics. I don't say these big words much. Hermeneutics is simply the science of interpretation. So you have to take what God has written and they need to interpret it. Well, there's another word, exegesis. And it means to practice correct interpretation. That means to draw out of the passage what God put into the passage. 
Now, when your pastors are studying or preachers are studying or you are studying, you need to have a proper exegesis. What is God telling me? What is God saying? Now, there's another way of interpretation that sadly we see the world going more and more to. It's eisegesis or esegesis. Mike can correct me on the pronunciation of that one, but it's putting into the passage what is not there putting words into God's mouth. Now we see that a lot. Now how are you as a congregation, how are you as a listener to a podcast, a listener to a message, a listener at a seminar, a listener at a meeting, to know whether it's been proper exegesis or eisegesis? Just take the man's word for it. Preacher said so. Or... Are you going to be like a group called the Bereans in Acts chapter 11 who took what the Apostle Paul... I mean, I have a hard time questioning what the Apostle Paul says, but he preached to these people and what did they do? Did they say, well, Paul said it, therefore it must be so, I'll take it? Or did they go home and do something? What did they go home and do? Somebody tell me. They studied the Scriptures to see if what he had said was true. Now this is the congregation. That's you. They studied the Scripture to see what the preacher was saying was true. But did they just go back and read the prophecies? Or did they have to go search, study, know Now here's where the difference of a reading plan versus a study plan comes in. I'm in a Bible reading plan this year. Like I said, the McShane plan. But that's just my devotion. Now sometimes I get really sidetracked in a verse and I go off on a rabbit trail and start studying a word. That's okay. If you get off your Bible reading plan by going and studying one of those verses, that's okay. But just my reading plan is not what my study plan is. Where I'm digging deep into the Word to find what God is telling me to do. So I asked you, who, who should your preachers be studying? Everybody raised their hand. Yes. Wives. Should you be studying your Bibles? Now, if you're a wife and you should be studying your Bible, raise your hand. All the wives' hands just went up, I hope. What about the husbands? Husbands, do you need to study the Word or can the preacher do that for you? Husbands, if you should should be studying the Word, do something. Raise your hand. Children, if mom and dad are studying the Word of God, is that good enough for you? Or... Should children study the Bible? Kids, if you should be studying the Bible, I want you to raise your hand. Now, all the kids' hands goes up. Exactly. All right. Some of you young men, young women, might not be married. Some of our older people that aren't parents anymore. Did you just dodge a bullet? No, you did not. Because... Ephesians 5 through 6 tells us about the wives, the husbands, and the children. Oh, and then we got to go to Titus 2. I'm sorry, you did not get out of it. You are too called to study the Word. The aged men, our older generation, our seasoned in Christ, our saints of Israel, as we will call. Why in the world would you need to study the Bible? You've been walking this path. 
You've been being a good godly man. Why do you need to study? Isn't it, isn't it these young guys' turn? These young fathers should be studying the Bible. Well, Titus chapter 2 says that the aged men should be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. Now you tell me which one of those comes to you naturally. Zero. How are you going to learn to do those things? By getting in God's Word. Okay. Nudging that old fellow on the shoulder over there. All right, ladies, you saints of Israel, it is now your turn. Because then it doesn't stop. It says the aged women likewise. Why? I raised my kids. They've got kids, the grandkids. I'm just going to baby the grandkids and be done with it. Well, there's a very, very, very wise reason as to why you yourself need to be well-versed in the Scripture. Because your job in this church is not over. You have a very important job in this church, sisters. You are to be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that you may teach the young women what they are to be. Your job is not over. Just because you retired, just because you have grandchildren, does not mean your job in the kingdom is over. How are you going to learn to be sober, to be vigilant, patient? Do all of those things come natural to us? No. We must learn those things, and you learn them through the study of the Word. Young women, young men, it can go on in Titus chapter 2. You are all called to be sober-minded. Does sober-mindedness come natural to a young man and a young woman? No. How are they to learn? How are you to learn? Both by the preaching and hearing of the Word, and you are to study the Word. You are to dig deep. What? Well, here's an assignment for you. What does it mean to be sober? Young men and young women, go home this week and study what does it mean in Titus chapter 2 for you to be sober. That's a study assignment. you got to dig deep. you got to get a concordance. you got to get some reference materials. You need to talk to your parents. But you need to be studying your Word. Now Paul, as I said earlier in Acts chapter 17, he preached to them. He reasoned to the Bereans from the Old Testament, the prophecies, how that Jesus had fulfilled all of those prophecies. Their task was to go home and to read the prophecies of the Old Testament to see if what Paul had said was true. And when they confirmed what he had said was true, they with much joy believed it. This indicates to us that the entire... Scripture is to be studied. All the prophecies of the Old Testament are pointing to one thing. The coming of Jesus Christ. The Gospels tell us that He came. And the rest of the New Testament is how you are to walk in this life until He comes again and takes you home. But every bit of that Scripture points back to a central point of history. When our Savior came to this earth, when He suffered and died and was resurrected and ascended to save you from your sins and from eternal damnation. All of this Scripture is profitable, as Second Timothy tells us. Come on, are you telling me that the lineages 
are really profitable. You know how hard it is to read through those? You think those are hard? Go read Leviticus. Man, that's a cumbersome... You know, when I go through my Bible reading plans and I get to Leviticus, sometimes I'm tempted to read really, really fast. Really fast. Like sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Dove, 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 dove. Cow, 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 cow. Whew! Tell me that chapter. How is that profitable for me? Because there was a law that must be kept. Because there was a God who had made a covenant. And this law was tedious. It was long. And it was in much detail. It was not a whimsical law that someone just was throwing a dart, board, a dart to the dartboard and picking things. God in heaven gave a law to His people that they could not keep. But Jesus Christ could. And that's why the prophecies are so important. That's why those tedious sacrifice laws are so important to read because you see that Jesus kept every jot In every tittle, that means every comma, every period, every dotted I of the law, Jesus Christ kept. Why are those lineages so important? Because for one, they show how God had planned from the very beginning from Adam where Jesus would come from. And it shows all throughout the Old Testament history where Satan is trying to destroy and stop the coming of the Savior. It goes to show you that even wicked sinners who have come to repentance in God are used for His glory. Just take the harlot Rahab who is in the lineage of our Savior. Yes, it may be tedious to read, but it is just as important to read as Ephesians and Titus and Timothy are. Those are a lot easier to read. We love to go to those. But I tell you, the Old Testament is just as important. The prophecies are just as important. And you know what? When you don't understand Daniel and you don't understand Revelations, then you need to study and dig deep. Now, I'm going to admit, I don't understand everything about Daniel. I don't. I don't understand everything in Revelations. As you'll find, me and my dad do not agree on a lot of Revelations. You're going to find that amongst lots of preachers and lots of Christians. But you know what we should all be doing? Studying Revelations. Because it is the Word of God. Blessed is the man who hears these. That's what Revelations tells us. It is for you and I to know. And we do not just know by skimming through like a picture book. Sometimes you have to roll up your sleeves and dig deep into the Word. Studying takes faith. Studying takes faith. When we go to God's Word, we must set aside our preconceived notions, what I think it should mean, or especially what I want it to mean, and go to God's Word and say, what does it mean? And that takes faith. Because you have to take yourself out. You have to take your desires out. You have to empty yourself and say, God, I want you to fill me with what is true. Whether it's hard to hear or not, God, I want to know what is true. It takes faith. Faith comes to us by the Word. Romans 10 10 verse 17 tells us that. So more faith comes with more study. The more you study the Word of God, the more you see the truth. The more you see the beauty of our Savior. The more you fall in love with our Savior. It takes faith to study 
the Word. Without faith, you're only going to understand Scriptures in a natural, mind-centered viewpoint. But with faith, you understand it from a God-centered, supernatural way. Faith, when in the Word, is profitable to us. Hebrews 4, chapter 4, verse 2 tells us. Studying takes work. It takes work. Serious Bible study means to search the Scriptures. Jesus says in John chapter 5 when He's talking to the Pharisees, He says, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify of Me. They were searching for what they wanted the Scriptures to say instead of what the Scriptures were saying. But it takes search and it takes studies. Do you think the Pharisees didn't know the prophecies? They did. They were well versed in them. Paul, before he was struck down on the road to Damascus, was very well versed in the prophecies and in the Scriptures. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the chief teachers of Israel. They knew the prophecies, but they were searching for what they wanted to be in them instead of what God would have them be. Studying takes work. It means digging hard. Digging is hard. It's hard work. Anybody that's ever worked with Brother Jesse and he put a shovel in your hand, get ready. That's a hard day of work. I can attest. I've been there. It's hard to dig. But when you dig and you dig and you dig and you get to where you want to go, it's like this treasure you just found. Kids, think of all those pirate movies. You got that treasure down in there. What do they do? They get the shovel and they start digging. And as soon as they see that X on the on the ground, they just dig and dig and dig and dig. That's the Scripture. It's the X on the ground for you. In it are treasures of life. Abundant treasures. That when you open up that box, it's the most beautiful, shining, glimmering jewels you will ever see. But you got to dig to get to them. It takes hard work. Now the only way, I will admit, the only way to really, really, really know exactly what every word of this Scripture really, really, really means is to go learn Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. I know none of the three. I am thankful for the men that do. And there are tons of resources out there that can help you in those interpretations. But we have been blessed by righteous men who hundreds and hundreds of years ago literally gave their lives so that you could read the Scripture in your own language. It's not some priestly office that holds the Scripture close and they're the only ones that get to read it and tell you what it means. It is for you to study out. It is for you to know and men have given their lives so that you could have 15 Bibles on your shelves. So I say, study those Bibles. Dig deep into those Bibles and know the Word of God. There are reliable translations out there. We won't get into all of those, but there's reliable translations. If you want my opinion, you can ask me later on that. But the main part of this is the study of this is centered on something. It's not centered on how do I make my life better. It's not centered on how do I fix my marriage. It's not centered on how do I get to be a better dad or a more loving husband. The study of the Scripture is centered on Jesus Christ and Him alone. Because when you know Jesus Christ, 
when you know Him and His salvation over you, then you learn to be a better husband. You learn to be a better father. You learn to repair your marriage. But your marriage in you and your children are not the center of Scripture. Jesus Christ is the center of our Scripture. The whole focus is centered on Him. 2 Timothy 3.15 is centered on Him saving you. As 2 Timothy 3.15 says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. That is the focus of Scripture. The Scripture is our spiritual food. It is how you grow. It is how you thrive. Matthew 4, 4 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 1 Peter 2, 2 says that we're to thirst for it as babes thirst for milk. That's the basic message of the gospel is that milk. But then Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says, It is our meat for us to grow on. And that meat is the additional details to the basics of the milk. But this Word is how you are nourished spiritually. It's how you grow. It's how you thrive in Christ. How you stay healthy in Him. And lastly, studying takes time. You can't take five minutes and figure out revelations. You can't take five minutes and figure out one verse. Studying takes time. Now quickly, write these four down and then we're going to be done. There's four steps that I recommend when studying Scripture. The first is to prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. And you do that with the proper mindset. You lay aside every weight, lay aside, put away and renounce everything that is weighing you down. And you go to God in prayer. Start every Bible study with prayer. Ask God to show you. Ask Him to open His Word to you. Pray for repentance in that mindset. For the sins you know you have done, 1 John 1, 9, or for all the unknown sins, Psalm 139, 23-24. Ask God to forgive you. And then pray for growth. In that preparing, pray for growth. The purpose of studying your Word is to grow in your knowledge of God, to grow closer to Him. Pray for growth. 1 Colossians chapter 1, verses 9-10, through 10, summing up, says that we should be filled with knowledge, wisdom, understanding, to be fruitful and to walk worthy. Pray that God would cause you to be fruitful and to walk worthy through the study of Scripture. The second step, this is your easiest one, is you've got to read. You have to read it. Yes, even Leviticus. Yes, even the lineages. Read. The third step, after you have read, after you've prayed, and then you have read, examine. Observe what you have read. Mark what doesn't make sense to you. Write it out. Highlight it. Observe what you have read. And in that observation, this is where the hard part comes, you need to learn to properly interpret. Now that doesn't mean you take one verse and you interpret it to today's mindset with what you think it should be. 
Proper interpretation means you need to see who wrote it. You need to see when they wrote it. So now you've got to do some studying on when was the book of uh, 1 John written. Who wrote it? Tells you in the name. There's debate over Hebrews. I've got my opinion on that one too. We won't get into that one either. But you need to figure out who wrote it. You need to study when they wrote it. You need to study who they wrote it to and why they wrote it. That's going to give you a context for what period of time and what period of people they were talking to. Because that means something in these words. Then you need to see how does this apply to the rest of Scripture. What does this mean according to the Old Testament? And how does this fit with the coming of the Savior in the New Testament? And then step four, meditate. That means to ponder it, to think about it, to chew the cud. That's meat. The cow is eaten. He gets that cud back up and he starts chewing on it again. He goes down and he gets it back up and he starts chewing on it again. That's what meditating means. Meditating is not going into some solemn trance with your eyes closed and not thinking. That's not meditating. That's having quiet time. Quiet times are good. I support those too. But meditate, ponder, apply, think on these things and make it a habit. Let's close with Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. As blood-bought heirs of heaven, our true delight should be in knowing God and knowing Him more and more daily. To be full of the knowledge of God. To be full of the fruits of God. To have it flowing forth from you. Psalm chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Brothers and sisters, delight in knowing who God is through His Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that You give us wisdom as we delve into Your Word. Lord, I admit that some of it is hard to understand. But Lord, I pray that we would not recoil from those hard-to-understand passages, but we would dig in deep that we would get that shovel and dig in and find those nuggets of gold. That, Lord, we would see the treasures of Scripture. That we would delight in Your Word. And that we would know You and love You more abundantly through our studying of Your Word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.